Are you one of the many couples who began your relationship in what we call the high octane or honeymoon stage, but now life has you wondering, where did all that love and connection go? Hey, if this sounds like part of your current story, welcome to the Red Truck Marriage Podcast. We want to help you experience God's best in marriage, a relationship that is stronger, deeper, and more exciting than ever before. So meet my wife and co-host, Stuart Anderson. And he's my husband and co-host, Dr. David Anderson. It's time for you to become the heroes of your marriage story. So let's get started. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Red Truck Marriage Podcast. So Stuart and I are glad to be in the studio today to bring you this podcast. It has been a tough few days for David and me. Life has just piled on and we did not handle it well. We we are experiencing just a ton of business activities, a lot of family activities, Um, major house projects that we're trying to take care of right now. And what is rare for us is that we did not stick together on all of this. We kind of turned away from each other and become, became snippy and, and fighting a little bit. And um, it has been a challenge, but you know, to say a difficult few days, it always has different meanings for different people. There will always be families who are living in situations that are even more difficult. That is so true. You know, Life difficulties are relative to individual lives. So what do we mean by a tough few days? Well, Stuart and I have had a lot of things on our plate, as she just said, and are feeling some pretty significant stress. But honey, I might add that although we've been kind of in some conflict, we're here today and... We are on track today. (laughs) we got on track. Um, But, you know, it shows up in how we relate to each other, the stress. And I know that's true for many of you. You know, I, I know most of you can relate to this. Anxiety goes up and then there's this disconnect. This disconnect serves to add even more stress as you can feel this tension between each other. And I know that that was true, certainly in my case, and I think I can speak for you too, Stuart. Yeah, and you know, it just intensifies if you think there's judgment involved and some shaming or some other Mm -hmm. dynamics that just pop up. Absolutely. And then we slide into this self-protection where we either fight or flight for the purpose, and watch this, of not being hurt in some way, or hurt again. Um, Ultimately, you're left feeling alone and angry and dug into this mode of self-protection. Yes, it is not a good feeling. I think if you let this dynamic go on in your marriage, it can become a habit. So the question is, how do we break the cycle? That's what we want to talk about today. How do couples stop going down that road, which will end in destruction? We believe it begins with yourself and Mm. not with expecting your husband or wife to make the change first. Mm, Absolutely. And you may be listening to this saying, wow, David Stewart, that's my situation. Like my spouse and I are stuck in this cycle 
of relating to one another uh, with no end in sight. You know, it almost feels as though you were in some sort of bondage or jail when you get into this cycle. Look, here's the good news. And I'm going to explain this good news using an illustration to communicate it. And this is probably going to date us some. So some of you younger folks, and I know we have a young audience as well, uh, you may not even know about this TV show, but back in the day, it's one of those black and white shows. And I remember as a kid watching it, uh, it was Andy Griffith. And I love that show. I just thought it was a brilliant show that had so many life applications to it. So here there's Andy, who is the town sheriff of Mayberry RFD um, in North Carolina. And then there, there's his deputy, Barney. And those were two main characters. But there was this one character that showed up once in a while. And his name was Otis. And he was the town drunk, right? So one of the funny things about him is that almost every Saturday night... Otis would walk into the police station and you got to think of it this way. Like they, they had Andy's office or police station set up. Like there was his desk and then in front of him, maybe, I don't know, 25, 30 feet in front of him, there were these three jail cells. And so there was a cell and then a small little wall and then another cell and then a small little wall right? So Otis would come in on a Saturday night and he's completely toasted, like had been drinking at the, you know, at the bar. So he walks in and he kind of staggers in. He walks up to the jail cell that he always used. And right between the two cells, the little wall, there was a hook that had the keys to the door of the cell. He would go to the keys take it off the hook, unlock the door, shut himself in, and then reach through the bars and then hang the keys back on the hook. And then he'd go to sleep. And the next morning, he would wake up, probably a little hungover, but he's now sober. He would reach through the bars, pick up the keys, unlock the door, and let himself out. And then he would go home and live his week, live his life. Now, you may say, David, what does that have to do? What does this illustration have to do with the good news? Well, here's the point. We all hold the keys to freedom. I truly believe that. And here's how it starts. Losing our sense of entitlement. Now, listen to me. You may think, David, I don't have that sense of entitlement. What do you mean, entitlement? But before you say that, let me give you a glimpse, some examples of what entitlement may sound like in your self-talk or in your narrative. So here's one. I deserve for her to appreciate me. I work hard every day. Or here's another. He doesn't give me credit for the work I do around here. And I should get credit. I deserve it. Here's one. We should be having more sex than we do now. I deserve it. And then finally, I'll let you fill in the blank here. 
I'm owed this or that. And then you fill in the blank. Goodness, I know you can hear it. There is just so much danger that comes with an attitude of entitlement or just a sense of justice. Mm. We, we think we're owed certain things from our spouses because of our efforts and hard work or just our position in the relationship as the breadwinner or the house manager or the clothes washer. Because mm. a spirit of entitlement will begin to come across to your spouse as resentful and demanding which will be an obstacle for healthy communication. Listen, everybody, we have said on a previous podcast, if you are harboring resentment, it will become an intimacy killer. Mm. So how do we break free from that sense of entitlement? Well, that is such a great question. And I want to repeat something. I think I heard you uh, say it this way. Um, That spirit of entitlement, will begin to come across to our partner as resentful and mm. demanding. Yes. And as Stuart just said, that is such an obstacle for healthy communication. And that's why we want to talk today about this sense of entitlement. Listen, so Stuart's question is, how do we break free from this sense of entitlement? And listen, I think it begins with sitting in solitude with God and asking God to reveal our own shortcomings, like those those things, those ways that we contribute to the conflict in our marriage. Well, David, some people are going to hear you say that and just think, wait, shortcomings? What's wrong with wanting my spouse to acknowledge my hard work or contributions to the marriage hmm. or the family? What's wrong with that? Yeah, and I think you're right. I, I, in fact, I've said that before in, <laughs> in my own narrative. Well, we so, all do. So, you know, listen, there's nothing wrong with wanting acknowledgement or affirmation from our spouse. The key, now listen to me on this, is asking for it in a spirit of humility versus a spirit of entitlement. Um, Listen, looking at my own shortcomings will give me humility. It will give me that spirit of humility. As humility increases, our sense of entitlement decreases. Listen, in probably every situation when Stuart and I have had conflict, Humility has been the antidote to breaking that destructive cycle that we described earlier. That is, looking at how I have contributed to the conflict versus blaming Stuart or blaming your spouse. Listen, the the behavior that follows humility, and I think this is really important, the behavior that follows humility is being fully aware of our own wrongs and then voicing them to our husbands or our wives and asking for forgiveness. And then, watch this, resisting thoughts of entitlement that your spouse should Mm. forgive you. (laughs) Like, I deserve it. I deserve their forgiveness because I've apologized. 
Because listen, forgiveness, your spouse forgiving you, is between them and their God. That's the work they do. I'm not big enough to make my wife, Stuart, forgive me. Um, so in your house, it may sound something like this. Honey, I confess that I've been withdrawing from you because I've been feeling resentment that you haven't shown enough appreciation for what I do around here. And I apologize and ask that you forgive me for feeling entitled to this acknowledgement and appreciation. The truth is, I'm not entitled. But I do desire your acknowledgement and your validation. It feels good to me when you love me that way. Oh, that is so great. It is such a better way to express your desires than to handle it with resentment and entitlement. So when someone is able to self-reflect and approach their spouse with humility and apology, it puts the focus or responsibility back on self, which inspires the other spouse to also be self-reflective versus defensive. So what we're saying is that peace and joy and reconciliation and ultimately intimacy begins by taking an honest look at ourselves versus expecting our spouse to change. Wow. Say, say that again, like an honest look. At ourselves versus expecting our spouse to make the changes. Yeah. It, why is that so difficult for uh, you know, let's start with us because that is difficult for mm-hmm. me at times. Mm-hmm. And I know it probably is for you. What makes it so difficult to take an honest look at ourselves and resist this need to blame our spouses? Right. Well, it's what we started with. We start with a sense of entitlement. Um, there might be some justification that we want, some resentment that we're harboring. Again, that's what we're talking about. And what you showed everybody was how to use self-reflection and healthy communication to to stop the old patterns of of uh, conflict and Mm. yelling and whatever happens. You you know, I was just thinking it it, it's hard. It would be difficult for you to argue back with me or get in a protective mode if I approach you from a self-reflective place where I come to you and I acknowledge ways that I have wronged you and then ask for your forgiveness. I mean, it would be hard for you to respond uh, in anger to me. Right. You know, Right. And it takes a lot of courage to do that, to be self-reflective and to to turn and try to use healthy communication with your spouse to explain what what you've been through. Boy, it sure does. And, you know, this reminds me of... Jesus's words in Matthew 7 when he said, hypocrite, <laughs> like first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you'll be able to see well enough to deal with the speck in your spouse's eye. Although you're yeah. smiling over there. <laughs> like, all right, he didn't say spouse. He actually, he said uh, that you would be able to see or be able to help 
uh, the, take the speck out of your friend's eye. Right. But in right. this context, it, it certainly applies to our spouses as well. Absolutely. And, and we know this can be really difficult to hear because we're all so wired to want to blame the other before we look at ourselves. Those are just some of the patterns that we set up. It does take real courage to listen to this and take an honest self-inventory to decide if it's true. So that's what we're going to ask you to do in our call to action today. When you're experiencing conflict and disconnect in your marriage like we were, take an honest self-inventory about your own contributions. Right. Your own contributions to that conflict. Right. Listen, you know, oftentimes we hear that a good exercise in marriage, and and it's kind of logical if you think about it, is to make a list and communicate to your spouse the ways they have hurt you. And we call that, you know, great communication to speak up and talk about how your spouse has hurt you. Listen, we want you to do just the opposite. Get in some alone space and ask God to reveal the ways you have wronged your spouse or contributed to the conflict or the disconnect in your marriage. Then we want to encourage you to confess those things to your spouse and ask him or her to forgive you. But do it without a sense of entitlement that they actually do forgive you. Mm, That's so key. And you know what? We want you to, and this is an encouragement, trust that God is bigger than you to lead your husband or wife to choose forgiveness and do their own self-inventory as to how they have contributed to the conflict or the disconnect in the marriage. See, going back to Otis, who holds the keys to his own freedom, just like we do. See, we truly believe that this is the path to restore intimacy and freedom in your own soul and your marriage. And we believe that this is what it means to drive the red truck in your marriage. Bye for now. 